Hello, New York Giants fans. Welcome back to the Everything New York Giants podcast. I'm your host, Adriana, also known as New York Giants Fangirl on TikTok and Instagram. And today's podcast is going to be a little bit different because of the holiday. I'm recording it a little bit later. So we're going to quickly recap the Giants versus Vikings game. And then we are going to preview the Giants versus Colts game on Sunday. But before I do that, I want to say that I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday, regardless of what you celebrate. I hope you got to relax, enjoy time with family and friends, and just enjoy a little bit of a break. Now, I know everyone's holiday would have been a little bit better if the Giants won the Vikings game, but listen, it was a game that was played much better than I think any of us ever expected to, so let's go ahead and talk about it. Now, first up, because I know a lot of us have witnessed this with our own two eyes, and it has been brutal, to say the least, the Giants have lost three games over the past few years to kickers who have kicked the longest kick of their career. It's been against the Giants. So when it was Minnesota on Christmas Eve... Their kicker had never kicked higher than 58 yards. What does he do? Nail a 61-yarder to win the game. A couple years ago, it was our boy Graham Gano against the Panthers. It was a 63-yarder. It was the Eagles against us. I think it was either a 61 or a 63. So let's just, uh, you know, talk about that real quick, that the Giants unfortunately have some bad luck when it comes to playing against other kickers. Now, we did catch a break this year against the Titans, so we got to take what we can get, but Listen, overall, what I want to say about this game is that the Vikings, well, I was going to say the Vikings are a fraud, but (laughs) what I'm most impressed with is number one, that the defense held the Vikings to under 30 points, which is something that we talked about a lot going into this game. The Vikings have been averaging 30 points per game for pretty much the whole season. And the fact that the Giants defense is one of the very few teams to keep them to under 30 points is incredible absolutely amazing. And not only that, the Giants put up 24 points, which I know they didn't put up all 24 of them because our lovely number five overall pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, had that touchdown, which was absolutely glorious. But overall, um, listen, the game was much better than I think any of us expected us to. I think we've seen the Vikings kind of fall off a little bit and felt like going into this game that the Giants had a shot, but you just never know whether it's the Giants or the Vikings, you never know what the team is going to play like, obviously, actually that day. So I think the fact that, you know, not only were we able to keep up with the Vikings, we lost by a field goal. I mean, we were right there. So, you know, definitely frustrating. Obviously, I think a lot of us maybe feel like if they just got blown out, it would have been probably more so along our expectations of what the game was going to look like. And then we would have felt a little less bad about the fact that they lost because we were that close to winning. But anyway, let's touch on a couple of stats. So Jones was 30 for 42 for 334 yards, one touchdown, one interception, three sacks for 15 yards. Now the line was, you know, not holding up as they will as well as they should have and what we hoped to 
see them at Minnesota. So, you know, when we talk about going against the Colts, it's just the line has to do their job. And it's very frustrating to feel like we are years and years into this process and it's still not complete. Now it's getting better and we've seen them play better in certain weeks. But, you know, from my perspective, and I'm sure from a lot of your perspective, it's just like, when are we going to have a line that consistently holds up well enough where Jones doesn't get sacked, he has enough time to make passing plays, and we actually have a good run game? It's just very frustrating. But anyway, let's talk about the rushing attack. Speaking of having a minimal rushing game, uh, as a total, 126 yards on the ground, which, you know, it's not great. Saquon, 14 carries for 84 yards with a touchdown. Daniel Jones, four carries for 34 yards. Matt Breida, two carries for nine yards. And Gary Brightwell had one carry for negative one yards. So not our best rushing game. Saquon had a great game. I think, you know, the one of the biggest things coming out of this game is that Saquon is Saquon again. And, you know, Again, obviously, a lot of that really depends on the line, but he is, you know, we're seeing that explosiveness from him that we've been missing the last few weeks. And, you know, it's week 17 at this point. Obviously, I don't really think that any of these guys are 100%, but I think that Saquon is back to the Saquon that he was prior to that shoulder injury that he had midseason. So to see Saquon in his, you know, Saquon form was really exciting. And I just, I hope, and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Colts, but I just want to see another like really big game out of him. Um, I really want the line to hold up because I just, you know, aside from the fact that obviously I want to win, it's just amazing to see some of these guys come to life and play as well as they did, which we're going to talk about right now with Daniel Jones. Jones had one of his best games. I mean, maybe his best one so far as a giant. And I know everyone's going to be like, yeah, but he still threw an interception. But guys, the best quarterbacks in the league still throw interceptions. He is in the top of the league with the least amount of interceptions thrown this year. And then I know people are going to be like, well, that's because he hasn't passed the ball that much. Well, guys, that's because he's getting planted on his ass every five seconds because the interior line sucks. Okay. So he's doing the best that he can. So remember that. Anyway, one of the best games from Jones, he made really good decisions. You know, I, as always, would say that I'd like to see him run a little bit more. Part of me also gets concerned about the whole injury factor. But, you know, he is a really key piece to this offense, especially when he's running the ball. That's not really accounted for by the defenses. So, you know, I think we're going to see more of that against the Colts. But Anyway, great game for Jones. I think he really has solidified in the last few weeks that he is going to be the Giants quarterback in 2023, whether you like it or not. Okay, enough about him. Let's talk about the receiving core, who was so, so close to one receiver having another 100-yard game. I mean, we haven't had a receiver have a 100-yard game since Wandale did before he tore his ACL, which was in what week what is it, 17? Was it week 13 or 14? I don't know. We miss Wandale. But anyway, the receiving core, 30 receptions for 334 yards. So, you know, again, when people are like, Jones needs to pass the ball more. Look, he threw for over 300 yards, you know? So just because quarterbacks throw for over a certain number of yards and they, you know, have minimal interceptions, whatever it is, it's a team sport, you guys. Let's remember that. Okay. 
So anyway, Richie James led the receivers with eight receptions for 90 yards. Now he, out of 11 targets, he caught eight of them. But Richie James, you know, he has really solidified himself as a good receiver and, you know, for the most part, reliable. Um, And I think Jones, you know, he looks for him out there, which is the exact same thing that you could say for Isaiah Hodgins, who out of 12 targets caught eight for 89 yards and one touchdown. So he was right behind Richie James by one yard. But I think these two guys have really stepped up and they have done, you know, the best that they can based on their talent level. We can say this week in and week out, you know, they're not number one receivers, but they're coming in here and they're making plays when it mattered, especially Isaiah Hodgins. So I think he was an excellent pickup this year. I hope that he signed on to the team next year because I really, really like what he's doing. And, you know, I'm excited to see more from him. He hasn't even been here, you know, for a whole season yet. So um, let's keep going. Darius Slayton out of six targets had four receptions for 79 yards. Saquon out of 10 targets had eight receptions for 49 yards. And Bellinger out of two targets had two receptions for 27 yards. Now, Daniel Bellinger, I have pretty much loved since day one. And, you know, he is a key piece to this offense. He's another guy that Jones really looks for out there. He can't turn the ball over. I know, you know, it happens, but that fumble that he lost was, you know, a game changer for this team. It really slowed down the momentum that they have. And it's, I'm not going to say it's the reason why they lost. They didn't make enough plays and they made mistakes. You can't do both of those things and expect to win games. But, you know, I just, it's it's frustrating with this receiving core because they're not reliable when it comes to catching the ball. You know, there's so many drops and then you just add a fumble on top of it and it's just it just feels like it's not always all going right, which obviously that's not going to happen, you know, unless you're the Chiefs. But I just, you know, ball security. I just I, I want them all to work on it, whether it's Richie James, Darius Layton, or Ballinger or whoever, Jones, all ball security. And I actually um, who was it? I was just listening to a podcast. It might have been, oh, you know who it was? I think it was Paul Schwartz. I was just listening to his podcast with um, Lawrence Tynes called Blue Rush and Brandon London. And he was saying that Daniel Bellinger apparently has been carrying around a football all week. Um, which I guess the implication was kind of like, you know, focused on ball security and whatever. So um, listen, whatever it takes, you guys, whatever it takes for these guys to catch the ball and hold on to it is what I would like to be done. So anyway, um, all right, let's touch on the defense quickly because you know, the defense looks pretty good. I still am very upset that Rodarius Williams is not playing. I am very upset that we are not seeing a lot of Dane Belton. I am upset that Jason Pinnock needs to work on his hands and catch the ball and maybe secure some interceptions. Um, Nick McLeod as well would like the two of them to work on that. Um, actually, all the cornerbacks need to work on that, let's be honest. But um, all right, so Jalen Smith led the team with 10 total tackles, three solo, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Now, while we're on Jalen Smith and the sacks, we had four sacks on Kirk Cousins and six tackles for loss. Now, 
This is going to be big going against the Colts too, is putting pressure on the quarterback. And this is why I've always, I've never been a huge Kirk Cousins fan is, you know, he's been in the league a hundred years and he still, you know, can make some mistakes. So you got to get pressure on them. And we did four sacks was definitely more than I was expecting against the Vikings. So Jalen Smith had one. Landon Collins had one. His first game where he was on the active roster, he came to play. He also had a tackle for loss, four total tackles, three of them solo. Next up, Leo Williams, who definitely was still dealing with that neck injury. He was a little bit in and out of the lineup, but he had uh, four total tackles, two solo, one sack, two tackles for loss. And then our beloved Aziz, who left the game with an ankle injury, but he is okay. Thank God. He had two tackles, one solo, one sack, and one tackle for loss. Now, there is no doubt in my mind, and we saw it on Sunday. We've seen it the last couple of weeks when Aziz is back in there with Kayvon, and we have all four guys up front between Aziz, Kayvon, Leo, and Dexter. They are a force to be reckoned with. Now, if we just had a little bit better linebackers, we'd be much better at stopping the run. But we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. We, we have our front four. They are killing it. And they're only going to get better with time. Now, I know everyone's a little bit worried about Aziz and the injury bug. But look, it is what it is. The thing about Aziz that, you know maybe we can't say with other players who have dealt with injuries, is that he he still produces when he's on the field. So there's no no doubt that him being out there has made a huge difference. It's, you know, putting a little bit less pressure on Kayvon, even though he's still been able to get to the quarterback. Kayvon, I was watching him on Sunday, and I am just amazed by what he does. He is all over the field. I would see him one minute trying to rush the quarterback and then in the next play he's stopping the run, tackling the running back. I'm like, how the hell did he get over there so quickly? He is so fun to watch. He's all over the field. I mean, I'm looking at him like, can someone please help this guy out because he is literally doing the work of like 15 defensive players. I swear, he's doing everything all by himself. And, you know, obviously having Aziz back is definitely helping that, but it, he is, oh my God, he, it's so fun to watch him. I am so excited to just continue to see what him and Aziz can really do from the pass rush standpoint. They are just, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with, and I love it. All right, so Fabian Moreau and Micah McFadden had eight total tackles. Um, Dexter Lawrence, Darnay Holmes, Tibbs, and Julian Love all had six. Landon Collins, Jihad Ward, Leonard Williams and Cordell Flott, four. Jason Pinnock, three. Nick McLeod, Andrew Thomas, Aziz, and Ryder Anderson all had two. And then Tony Jefferson, Marcus Johnson, and Justin Ellis. So 80 total tackles, 45 solo tackles, four sacks, and six tackles for loss. So, you know, the defense really did a great job against Minnesota, and they need to continue to do that versus the Colts. But overall, I, I feel like, you know, the defense is coming together. And look, they're not all number ones out there. They're not all five-star recruits. But they are are playing above what they're capable of. And that is something that we have not seen in the past. 
And I talk about this a lot, but it all goes back to the coaching. You know, these guys came out of nowhere. They came out of left and right. And they're, you know, again, not superstar picks. And they're they're just doing the best they can out there. And I know we get on them. And I am the first person to get on them and crap all over the defense when they are not playing well. But when they have a game like they did against Minnesota, we have to give them credit for what the coaching staff has done and the fact that a lot of these players are really leveling up from what their actual talent is. And look, until we get number one and better guys in here, that's really all we can ask for. Let's round it out by talking about the kickoff return. So Gary Brightwell had one return for 26 yards. Richie James had two punt returns, total of eight yards. Um, you know, again, I just just catch the ball. I like I really don't care about anything else. I, you know, the offense is what it is, but we have Graham Gano. So, you know, even if they can't run it back at all, it's it's just, you know. Focus on the offense moving the ball. And if it results in a field goal, again, we got Graham Gano. So speaking of, he went three for three um, on the field goals. His longest was a 55-yarder and then one for one on the extra point. Great game for our beloved Graham Gano, as always. Jamie Gillen. Listen, he's not going anywhere until next year. It is what it is. And, you know, it's it's really frustrating to watch him because he has had some amazing games this year and he's had some really good punts inside the 20 and, you know, came in when it matters. And then, you know, he does things like what happened in Minnesota. Now, this has been back-to-back games where there have been issues on special teams, either a blocked punt or a dropped punt. And neither of those are acceptable. So I don't really think it's Thomas McGahee, who's the special teams coordinator, who's been here for, I think, 10 years. I I think it's the talent. And I think, you know, when you see someone like Jamie Gillen, who's very hit or miss, it's either great or it's terrible. And there's not really an in-between. Um, th- there's nothing that McGahee can do about that. It just, it is what it is. And you know, next year we're probably going to have a new punter. So listen, the um, the the Giants versus Vikings game, I really felt like it was better than I ever expected it to be. The um, defense held the rushing attack to under 100 yards. Dalvin Cook only had 64 yards. Dalvin Cook only had 64 yards. And we are not a good run defense team. So, again, great game for the defense. You know, the offense did what they could. Um, can't turn the ball over. And they got to be more consistent with the catches. But, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, I definitely thought it was going to go worse. So I, I feel like... You know, they have good momentum coming out of that game. They know what they need to fix. And the Colts is going to be a better matchup. So let's talk about the Colts game. Now, in case you've been living under a rock for the last week, which, listen, I won't blame you. It's the week between Christmas and New Year's. No one knows what day it is, what time it is, or what the hell is going on. So I fully understand. However, in case you missed it, if the Giants beat the Colts on New Year's Day, they are in the playoffs 
for the first time since 2016. Now, I know there is also a lot of talk and, you know, there's a whole bunch of other scenarios that if Seattle loses and Washington loses and this team loses and this team loses, then, you know, the Giants will still be in the playoffs or they'll still be in the number six seed or this, that and the other thing. I don't care about any of that. They need to win this game. There is no exception. They have to win this game. And it is a winnable game. It is a very different matchup than Minnesota. You know, the Colts have a better defense than Minnesota did. But still, we are playing at home. Is It is going to be 55 degrees. There is not going to be snow. There's not going to be ice. You know, we, we have to win. So let's talk about the injuries first. So I thought this was really interesting because Dable spoke to the media today and said that, first of all, Leah Williams was not even on the injury report. He is cleared and good to go, which in my opinion, means that we should see him play all of his snaps. So I don't, I I mean, I assume that he's going to play, you know, 100% of the snaps or whatever since he's not listed as limited. So he's cleared, good to go. We are going to see Leo Williams on Sunday, which is huge. Now, Aziz is questionable, but Dable said he is good to go. So we are going to see Aziz on Sunday, which really is the best news because I know walking out of the Minnesota game, a lot of us were having a panic attack that he sprained or broke his ankle and was going to be out for the season. So great news for Aziz. Having him and Leo back on that front four is going to make a big difference for us. Now, last up, we have to talk about Adoree Jackson, who for the first week since his sprained MCL injury was listed as limited at practice. Now, he's been back at practice for the last few weeks. I don't know how many, but he has been at practice. He just has been listed on the injury report as did not practice because he was only doing individual drills. So, you know, McKinney has been doing the same thing, but until they're listed as limited during practice... It's not really happening for them that they're going to play. So Aziz was limited Wednesday, Thursday, today's Friday. So he was limited all three days. Now, Dable said that it is going to go right up until game time, their decision on Adori, and he's listed as doubtful, which I just thought was really interesting because I know it's his first week back in group practice and he's limited, but why, you know, I'm sure over the next 48 hours, especially because it's a home game, he can go and get a lot of other treatment and do whatever he needs to do. But part of me is also like, is 48 hours really going to make that much of a difference? I mean, maybe it is. I'm not a doctor. What do I know? But I just think it's it's interesting. So anyway, I know he's listed as doubtful. I just feel optimistic that he's going to play. Even if he only plays five snaps, five snaps with a Dory in there is better than zero snaps with a Dory in there. So... I don't know. I, I just am feeling optimistic about it. I think it's odd he's listed as doubtful when, you know, all week it kind of seems like things were going well. So th- there was no mention of a setback or anything like that. I think they're either being very cautious, which we have seen them do. They're extremely conservative when it comes to injuries. But is it that or is it that they don't want the Colts to know and it's more of a strategy thing? 
I don't know the answer to that. It could go either way. But anyway, we will know right before game time whether or not Adori is going to play. So everyone, keep your fingers crossed because it's time for Adori to come back. We miss him desperately. Let's talk about the um, Colts who are not going to be playing. Um, First up, Jonathan Taylor is on IR, and he obviously is one of the best running backs in the league. So we caught a little break there. And also, we are playing against Nick Foles, which, listen, Nick Foles had probably one of the worst games of his life on Monday when – who did they play? I don't know. The Chargers. Um, He threw three interceptions and just honestly looked terrible out there. Now, here's the thing. That was his first game back in a while. So he's going to be feeling more confident on Sunday against the Giants. Maybe he's going to feel like he got, you know, the first game jitters, whatever it is, out of his system. So he is, he's not going to look as bad as he looked on Monday. Now, I know it's a short week because of that and everything, but I just think that he's, listen, he's not going to come out looking like Patrick Mahomes. But he is also not going to come out looking as bad as he did on Monday. So, um, all right, let's get more into that in a second. But the Colts who are out is wide receiver Ashton Doolin, tight end Kylan Granson, and cornerback Kenny Moore the second. So those are a couple guys from the Colts that are going to be out. So now let's let's talk about really what the Giants need to win here. So speaking of Nick Foles, so the first thing is they need to get pressure on the quarterback. Nick Foles will throw interceptions and will potentially fumble the ball. He's going to make mistakes if we can get in his face. And when you have the the four, the front four that we finally have, I believe between those four of those guys, they are going to get to Nick Foles and they are going to get to him more than once. I think that they're going to have a couple sacks on Sunday. Might even take that bet on DraftKings, but I think that they are going to have at least two sacks against Nick Foles, who cannot run for his life. So we also have that going for us. So the more pressure that we can put on Nick Foles and force him to make mistakes, it's going to give us more opportunities to win the game. We have to win the turnover battle this week. Now that means that the offense can also not turn the ball over. So I am talking to Jones. I am talking to Saquon. I am talking to Bellinger, Richie James. Every single one of them have got to be good with ball control on Sunday. Now the Colts defense is pretty good. So they're going to have it out for them, especially, you know, coming off of Minnesota's defense. But I really feel like I know this offense is not that great, but I just feel like they can move the ball. Once they get in a rhythm, they can move the ball down the field. And once they get that far, I'm not worried about them. It's just getting into that rhythm. And we have to be able to run the ball successfully. And we need to stay out of third and long situations. Because of our interior line, because of the receivers, we cannot get stuck in multiple third and long situations. It does not work for this team. They do not have the talent to escape it, and they just don't have the time or the faith in the line and the receivers for Jones to go long on third and nine. And I don't blame them because I sure as hell wouldn't either. So, you know, those I think are going to be the biggest pieces to winning this game. And like I said, this is a winnable game. 
you look at the Colts, you look at the Giants, you look at the records and what they've done and how the Giants have won close games and how they have paired up against much better teams, that there is no reason why we cannot walk out of MetLife Stadium with a win and be in the playoffs. Now, this is the New York Giants we're talking about. So anything can happen, both good or bad. Let me say that. But you know, they really, they have to minimize the mistakes because whether it's a turnover or it's penalty flags at the wrong time or any time for that matter, they just, they can't do it. They cannot make mistakes like that. Darnay Holmes need to, needs to not be grabby. He has to stop doing that. He is leading I don't know if it's the Giants or the NFL. Honestly, it could go both ways. But he is one, let's just say he's leading the Giants for now because I don't want to speak false information. But he is leading the Giants with the most amount of penalties. So, and we all know what happened at the end of the Washington game. So I I need him and guys like him to not make stupid mistakes across the board. Feliciano knows better. I don't expect any type of taunting and stuff like that anymore. But they've had a couple false starts. It's going to be very loud at MetLife on Sunday, and they have to just rein it in and control it and play smart and not make mistakes. And like I said, I have faith in them, you guys. I I think that Sunday at four o'clock, the New York Giants will be in the playoffs for the first time in six years. And you know what? We're going to be nine and six and one. And I just, I feel good about it. I think this could be the first time we see the Giants score 30 points. Now, I'm not talking about only the offense. I'm talking about the defense getting involved here because I just think between our front four, there there's an opportunity for a sack fumble. Like I said, Nick Foles is not only is he not good under pressure, he cannot run for the life of him. So if Kayvon makes the type of hit on him like he did in Taylor Heineke at the one-yard line, he's getting that ball out. And we could see it from Aziz, we could see it from Leo, from Dexter, any one of them, maybe all of them. But we have the chance to win this game on Sunday. We control our destiny. We win and we're in. And that's it. So I'm going to end it on that. So thank you guys for listening. Um, As always, you can find me at New York Giants Fangirl on Instagram and TikTok. Please subscribe to the podcast and share with a friend if you like. Um, You can also rate and review it on Apple and Spotify, too. I would love it if you did that. Thank you all for your support throughout the whole year. And as always, let's go Giants.